when did you last make a bad decision? Recently, I was over at a friend's place for dinner, and as I'm making my way around the table, my eyes glance down and they land on the King Cobra hot sauce. Now, I'm no stranger to hot sauce, right? And I think, you know, I can handle the Cobra. So I go to tip some onto my plate, and oh, a little bit more than I thought comes out, but that's totally fine, because I can handle this. So I sit down and I start eating my dinner, and I just go one mouthful with a little bit of Cobra on it, and it's all fine until, bang, the Cobra strikes. Man, and he struck hard. I was not ready for this. I proceeded to finish my dinner through the spice and the tears. I had been taken down by the cobra. In my foolish arrogance, I thought I could handle it, but I couldn't. I made a bad decision. Now, you might not have been struck by the cobra yourself, although I know some of you have been, but if you're human like me, I know that you have been struck by the consequences of your bad decisions. Now, sometimes it's just the little stuff, like too much hot sauce, or maybe you took the wrong turn on a road trip. But other times, it's way more serious. Maybe you chose to lie and then got caught out. Maybe you chose to break the law and you copped a big fine. Or maybe you chose to say something you shouldn't have and you hurt somebody that you love. When I think about some of the bad decisions that I've made, oh man, I just cringe. Who likes thinking about this stuff? It's horrible. And so I want to ask us all right now, is there something that we can do? Is there something we can do to avoid making bad decisions? Well, I think there is. There is a magic ingredient, and when we just add it into our lives, we end up making better decisions. Good decisions that bring peace, love, and joy into our lives. Now, this ingredient is wisdom. Wisdom helps us make good decisions. And the more wisdom you have, the less bad decisions you make. I mean, do you want to make less bad decisions? <laughs> I certainly do. I need to. And so today, all of us, we're going on a wisdom hunt together. And to guide us on our journey, on our wisdom hunt, we're going to ask three questions. What is wisdom? How do we get wisdom? How do we grow in wisdom? So let's begin our journey with question number one. What is wisdom? Now, wisdom, it's an ancient idea. And we see it spoken about in the Bible. Yeah? And there's one particular part of the Bible that talks a lot about wisdom, and that is the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is going to open the door for us today as we start our wisdom hunt. But we're not going to stay here the whole time. We'll be visiting some other parts of the Bible too. But let's start in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. 
Proverbs tells us what it's on about right from the start. Proverbs wants to teach us wisdom. Why? So we can do what is right, just, and fair, so that we can make better decisions. And what's great for me is that Proverbs is both for the simple and for the wise. Have a look in verse 4. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. But verse 5, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. So no matter where you're at in life at the moment, whether you're 6 or 60, Proverbs has wisdom for you today. And now that Proverbs has opened the door for us, well, we need to answer our first question. What is wisdom? Wisdom is understanding how your world works and how to live in it. Now, to unpack this for us, I want to ask, what does my brother Sam and world-famous basketball player Michael Jordan have in common? I'll give you a hint, has nothing to do with their height. What do they have in common? They are both wise in their own worlds. Let's start with Michael Jordan. See, Michael Jordan is wise in the world of basketball. He understands how the game works, and he knows how to play it really, really well. He understands the details, the dynamics of the game, the theory behind the best techniques and plays. But it's not just all head knowledge. It's in his hands too. Man knows how to play ball. He is considered wise in the world of basketball. Now, my brother, he's wise in a different world, the world of spearfishing. He understands that you can't be flapping about on the surface or you're going to scare all the fish away. But he also has the ability to dive 20 metres down on a breath hold and skillfully hunt fish. And when he gets lobsters, it's the most delicious thing ever. So he has the smart spearfishing brain and the skills to pull it off. And you need to have both the theory and the practice, the brains and the skill, to be wise. And when we think about wisdom like this, we see that there are so, so many worlds that we can be wise in, that people are wise in. Like the world of chess, the world of parenting, the world of teaching, cooking, marriage or gardening, whatever you want. Lots of people are wise at lots of different things, aren't they? So why do we need to look at the Bible to tell us about wisdom? Can't I just go off and find it somewhere else? But that's the thing. There is a difference between the wisdom that Michael Jordan has and the wisdom that Proverbs talks about. See, Michael Jordan's wisdom, it's wisdom just for that world. It's local wisdom just for the world of basketball. But Proverbs isn't just talking about local wisdom for a little world. Proverbs is talking about wisdom for the big world, for this world, for the ultimate reality that we all live in. Proverbs is talking about universal wisdom. It's telling us how this entire world works and how to live in it. And this isn't wisdom that can only be applied here or there. It's for everyone everywhere. This is the wisdom that Proverbs talks about. 
So if we want this universal wisdom, what do we need to do? We need to understand how the world works and how to live in it. And this is the key to doing that. The key to understanding how this world works is understanding the God who made it all. We need to look at God first before we can figure out how his world works and how to live in it. Well, thankfully, the Bible tells us a lot about God, doesn't it? God reveals himself at different points throughout the Bible, and I want to take us to one of those moments now. In the book of Exodus, Moses asks God if he can see his glory. Moses wants to understand who God really is. So God uh, sticks Moses into a rock and reveals himself to Moses by saying this. God says, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. What does God tell us about himself? God is full of unfailing love and faithfulness. God's unfailing love means that he isn't fickle or flaky. He is full of committed, gracious love. And God's faithfulness means that he won't break his promises. He is full of justice and truth. And this is who our God is. And his creation, his world, reflects who he is. And look at how Proverbs picks up on this. In chapter 3 it says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favour with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. What is this proverb saying? This proverb is telling us that people who are loving and faithful, well, they earn a good reputation. Well, I mean, look at this and we think, are you kidding me? Of course that's the case. That just makes sense. But I want to ask, why does this happen? What happens because God has stitched his character, he has woven his character into his creation, into us. His character is woven into the very fabric of this reality. This world runs on God's love and faithfulness. The reason that humans love love, the reason we love faithfulness, truth and justice, is because a loving and faithful God created this world and he created us. And his creation reflects who he is. But hold on a minute. If God is loving and faithful and his creation reflects that, then why doesn't my life reflect this? If I love to be loved, why do I fail to love others? If I love truth and justice, then why do I fail to uphold it? And actually, when I take an honest look around at this world, at the world that God made, 
it doesn't perfectly reflect who he is. This world is broken. And there's a reason for that. The world is broken because of our sin. Our sin, our rejection of God, is why the world is broken. And it's why we make bad decisions. Our bad decisions hurt God, they hurt our neighbours, and they hurt the people that we love. And if you've even made just one bad decision that has hurt God or someone else, then you now stand guilty before God's good and faithful judgment. And we saw from God's conversation with Moses that he will not excuse the guilty. He is faithful. And God says the punishment for our rejection of him, our failure to love other people, is death. On our wisdom hunt, us and our bad decisions have ended up crashing into the God who created us and actually cares about how we live. We may have answered our first question, but we have uncovered a serious problem. But thankfully, the answer to this problem is found in our next question. How do we get wisdom? Well, looking back at the start of Proverbs, it just tells us right from the start. Chapter 1, verse 7, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. And in chapter 9, we read this rephrased, and you might have heard this before, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, how can we get wisdom? Well, it looks like our foundation, our beginning, starts here. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Now, in these verses, the word fear doesn't just mean scared or terrified. It's not the kind of feeling you get when you're home alone with the lights off and you hear a screeching noise come from under your bed. That is just terrifying. (laughs) That is horrible. And that's not the fear that Proverbs is talking about here. Instead, it's better to think about fear as a sense of awe, submission and respect of who God is. For the ancient Israelites, well, this wasn't hard to do because they knew who this God was. This is the God who parted the sea and led them out of Egypt and rescued them. This is the God who miraculously fed them in the wilderness and defeated rival armies and kings and protected them. This is the God who created the world and revealed himself to them. And the wise Israelite looked at God with a sense of awe, submission, and respect. They feared God by remembering who he is and what he did for them. So how do we fear God? 2,000 years later in Jamboree, well, it's the same thing. We need to remember who God is and what he did for us. Listen to these words from the start of John's Gospel. Chapter 1, verse 14. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. This Word that John is talking about is Jesus. And look, he is full of the same stuff that God is. Unfailing love and faithfulness. 
This is who God is, and this is what he did for us. God came down as a man, and he showed us the greatest act of unfailing love and faithfulness that the world had ever seen. We see God's love and faithfulness at the cross. This, this is God's solution to our problem of sin. Because no matter how smart we are, how hard we try, oh man, we still just fail, don't we? We make bad decisions. We fail to love God and others. And God, well, he knows. He knows the worst, worst things that we have done. And we all stand so guilty before God and his good, faithful judgment. But on the cross, when God's love and faithfulness came down as a man, he said, no, I will take the punishment for their sins. I will pay the price for what they have done. And he did. Jesus suffered and died in our place. But he was raised from the dead and crowned as king of the world. And this is God's good news, his solution to our problem. So if you tell God you are sorry for your sin and believe in the world-changing news that Jesus died and rose, you will be saved. This is the answer to our big problem and the answer to our second question. Well, how do we get wisdom? We saw that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord and we fear the Lord by believing in the good news of Jesus. This is the beginning of wisdom for us. This is the first step to becoming wise in God's world. If you really want to be wise and understand how this world works, then your starting point has got to be Jesus. Jesus is the key to understanding God's world, and he's the key to understanding how to live in it. Jesus is our wisdom. Listen to how Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from our sin. Now that we know wisdom comes from believing in the good news of Jesus, we can answer our third and final question. How do we grow in wisdom? Well, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, then you are wise. But it's not the end of your wisdom journey. Oh, it is only just the beginning. And we need to keep growing in wisdom. Once you become a follower of Jesus... Well, you need to figure out what does it look like to follow him day by day, decision by decision. And the Bible, well, it shows us the direction that we need to go if we want to keep growing in wisdom. Colossians 2.3 says, In him, that is Jesus, lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom starts and ends with Jesus. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. When you start with Jesus, you don't move on from him. You just go deeper. 
And this principle is going to guide us now as we look at three practical ways that we can be growing in wisdom. And the first one is, read the Bible, especially Proverbs. The entire Bible is going to help you understand how to live in God's world. But Proverbs is like a wisdom hotspot. And Proverbs, if you've read it before, it's a bit of a weird book. It's basically just a, a bunch of short sayings all packed in together. There isn't much structure to it, and sometimes it can be a little bit confusing. But there's a particular tool you need when it comes to reading the book of Proverbs. And although I would love to, I don't want to go on a deep dive now and walk us through what it looks like to read Proverbs and to unpack a proverb. But I do just want to give us this basic tool that we can use to understand the book a bit better. We need to remember wisdom starts and ends with Jesus. He's the reason that we care about this book in the first place. So we need to read Proverbs with our Jesus glasses on. These are the best glasses I can do um, with my hands while holding the clicker. <laughs> we need to read Proverbs with our Jesus glasses on. And without them, Proverbs is going to remain a mystery. Back at the start of Proverbs, it tells us how we get wisdom. In verse 6, it's by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. You get wisdom by drawing out the meaning within a proverb. But before you draw the meaning out and just throw it into your life, you need to remember to take it through your Jesus glasses. And once we have these glasses on and we're reading through the book of Proverbs, we'll start to notice that it's more than just a collection of random sayings. We know Jesus is full of God's love and faithfulness. And when we read Proverbs with our Jesus glasses on, we start to see that Proverbs wants us to love God's love and faithfulness. This is how Proverbs wants to shape us as we read it. And don't just read Proverbs as this collection of isolated one-liners that are scattered all over the place. Instead, let them build out your understanding of God's world, like you're putting together a jigsaw puzzle. At first glance, they look like they're scattered all over the table like a mess. But they're actually working together piece by piece to put together the big picture of God's love and faithfulness. And the reason we can make sense of the meaning within them is because we know what the finished puzzle looks like. The big picture of God's love and faithfulness is Jesus. So when you're reading Proverbs, I would recommend just pick a few of them, learn them and love them. Meditate on them. Chew over them slowly. Uncover the meaning within them and let them grow your understanding of how to live God's way in God's world. You will discover there's so many wonderful little puzzle pieces in that book. They are hidden diamonds, and they're literally just waiting there for you to uncover them and become even wiser. And the second way that we can grow in wisdom is simple, uh, and it's one of the best things you can do. It's this. Ask God for wisdom. James says, if you need wisdom, ask a generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. In Proverbs chapter 2, For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth 
come knowledge and understanding. If you want to understand how this world works and how to live in it, then why not ask the God who made it all? If you've begun your wisdom journey and you've restored your relationship to God through Jesus, then he's not just God to you anymore. You now also know him as your good father. And your good father loves to give gifts to his children. And one of those gifts is wisdom. So just ask him. That brings us to the third way that we can grow in wisdom. And that is to ask yourself, WWJD. Before you make a decision, stop and ask yourself, what would Jesus do? This question is when rubber hits the road. It's when theory and head knowledge becomes practice. It really makes you think. I don't know if you've asked yourself this question before, but it can be a game changer. When you're frustrated with your family, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? If you see someone is having a hard time at church or school or work, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? If you want to see more people in your life put their trust in Jesus, then ask yourself, what would Jesus do? I have found this to be a really helpful way to make better, wiser decisions each and every day as I follow Jesus. Now, those are just three practical ways that we can be growing in wisdom as we continue to look at Jesus, our wisdom, and our salvation. And now, guys, this brings us to the end of our wisdom hunt because we've answered all three of our questions now. We know what wisdom is, we know how to get it, and we know how to grow in it. God's wisdom isn't just a secret ingredient we sprinkle into our lives to make them better. God's wisdom is a person, and he saves us from our sins. Listen to Jesus' words here, Matthew 7. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse, because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain and floods come, and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. No one can sit on the fence when it comes to Jesus. In Proverbs, it paints the same picture. There's only two ways that you can live. Your house, your life is either built on the sand or on the rock. And what decision have you made? You need to ask yourself today, what am I building my life on? Ignoring Jesus' words here is the worst decision that you could make. If you ignore him, then you will pay the price for your sin. Build your house on the rock and put your trust in Jesus so you can know and be with the God of unfailing love and faithfulness forever.